What's cracking, lovely people? Welcome back to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast. And I'm your host. My name's Matt. I'm a nutritionist by trade. And this podcast is brought to you by 33 Shake. 33 Shake produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products. Get on over to the link in my bio, over to the show notes. Use the code that I've put in there for 10% off your first order. 33 Shake produce protein powders, so you can use those through the day for a little bit of a protein hit, or you could also use something like their Chia Gels. I use those on some of my long-distance bimbles. Really good stuff. Check them out. And speaking of running, I've actually got a runner, an author, and a mental health campaigner on the show today. We actually used to study together years ago, and we haven't spoken for probably, oh, maybe a decade um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's good to get you on the show, Hope. So it's Hope Virgo. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm just trying to think if, uh, yeah, when when was the last time we probably spoke? It was must have been back in Birmingham. Yeah, probably. Um, nine years, eight years ago, eight, nine years ago. Well, yeah. I was close. I was close with ten. And um, <laughs> But yeah, bet, so Hope's on a train, lovely people. So if it does cut out, we'll obviously try and reconnect. But um, yeah, it would be, be good to hear about what, what you're involved in you know, in now in terms of your work and, and, and your training and everything, so. Perfect. Um, so I work full-time doing mental health campaigning, so basically working around the country with schools, hospitals and corporates, getting them to understand much more about mental health, but also getting them to understand about eating disorders specifically um, and how we can do things day-to-day for our own well-being. And a big part of that for me is obviously exercise, um, and so talking a lot about actually how we can use exercise in that positive way and not as a way to punish ourselves um, mm. when we've had a bad day or whatever it might be as well. Um, and so yeah, I've been doing it for about two years. Um, and the reason I got into it is because I had anorexia when I was younger. So from the age of 12 up until 17, when I was admitted to a hospital and managed my recovery after I got discharged from hospital um, up until I relapsed a couple of years ago. And when I came through my relapse, I realized that there were so many people out there who don't understand eating disorders, so many people who are really struggling alone, but also there's like this real fear of exercise for people who have had eating disorders and nutrition as well, actually. It's like absolutely terrifying having to learn to listen to your body again and knowing how much exercise you should do and what you should and shouldn't be eating. So after I came through my relapse, I decided that actually I wanted to use my story and my experience to actually try and champion the rights of people with eating disorders, but also to expand awareness generally and, yeah, get people to understand more fully what it is like in recovery. Mm. So how did you first go about doing what, you know, what you're now doing is obviously working in in schools, hospitals, corporates. There's there's a lot of depth to what you do. Yeah. How did you get Um, that going? Because that's such an interesting story, obviously, having, having your own... Uh, you know battle and evolving things and moving forward but then like you said turning it into to kind of helping other people that must have been quite daunting or did you just dive straight in and do a talk what went on Um, so I wrote a book that came out in 2016 or 17 2017 it was and after that came out I started to work a little bit in schools and then I ended up um, in November of 2017 quitting my job because I wasn't that happy in it and I just wanted to have a bit of change and I thought because I don't have children I don't have any commitments actually this is the time to do this sort of stuff so I quit my job and woke up on the 1st of January and was like what shall I do now Um, and then just started kind of contacting various places
from that is it's been really, really difficult at times. And the first year I worked probably too much. I probably do still work too much at times. Um, and I'm not always great at kind of setting my own boundaries when I meet people who are really struggling. But I think for me, because I absolutely love what I do, it does help me to kind of drive that further forward and help me to keep going with it, if that makes sense. 100% yeah yeah your enthusiasm just oozes out of you know my my iPad here recording the podcast so it's you know I thought I thought I was quite an enthusiastic loud bloke but you're you know you're you're definitely pushing things forward so you know that's fab so in terms of your book would you would you say it is you know it is for that that particular person or can anyone pick it up so it is it basically documents my whole journey of recovery so starting out from what it was like when I was a child, um, talking a little bit about my life in hospital, also a little bit about actually what it was like going to university, because like I came out of hospital two weeks before going to uni, and having all of that pressure, you know what it's like to have kind of like the best three years of your life, and yet I was still really struggling with food and exercise and calorie counting and all of that sort of stuff. So kind of writing quite a bit about that. Um, and then writing more openly about kind of what I what I've been through recently with my relapse um, as well. And I think whilst it is specifically talking about eating disorders and anorexia, I think it's got a space for everyone who's struggling with their mental health, but also people who are supporting those around them who might be struggling. I think it offers this kind of insight into what someone's brain is like who's got anorexia, um, and I guess emphasising that actually we. You, some people do fully recover I'm not fully recovered and getting people to understand that actually we all have mental health and we all sit on that you still there Hope? yeah cool you just dropped out for a second or so no it's all good yeah that makes complete sense and I'm really glad that you said that around anyone can pick it up to, to get a little bit of a window into like you said, what someone might be going through in terms of an eating disorder or, you know, some something around their mental health, because um, obviously more and more people are talking about this, but there, you know, there 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 isn't really a roadmap to to try to pick up education and and understand things, especially when you know people have their own lives, but they want to help someone and they you know they want to grab some information and 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 take it with them and and evolve their perspective and understanding. So I think. That as as a resource obviously must have taken a lot of courage to to write and create, but as as you know a roadmap for for the average person to grab, I think that's a fantastic thing. Yeah, no, and I think my mum writes a little bit of it as well, so it offers a bit of that parental insight as well, which I think is another issue that people don't talk about that much. Is that parents really struggle when they've got a young person who's going through something because they feel embarrassed about it or they feel all of that shame. Um, and so my mum talks very honestly actually about what it was like for her looking after me when I was in recovery and also when I was really ill mm, mm. Uh, and I'm definitely I think I am pleased I've done it I think when it came out I was absolutely terrified I think there is a huge amount of stigma with mental health and even though people do talk about it quite often we don't understand kind of the ins and outs of it and quite often we talk about when someone's fully recovered we don't talk about actually that nitty gritty of what it's like to be trying to recover and go through that um, so I guess definitely worried that people might change their opinion of me or judge me or question things that I do and things like that. But it's for a good cause. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like you said, the, the pros of doing it, even though it, even though it took a huge amount of energy and 
you know, it's tough for you to delve in and tell that story, like you said, as as a resource long term. I think it's only going to prove to to have a positive impact. So yeah. um so yeah, no, that's fantastic. And I think what 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 I'd like to maybe talk about now for a few minutes is obviously when when you're speaking in these schools and you're speaking to people that are you know still finding out who they are their their brains are developing their bodies are developing that must be quite a, an interesting thing to do and then how do you yeah how how do you tend to to pose the information you you bring across with some vulnerable young people um so with kind of older age groups so year 10 upwards i normally share my personal story of recovery so talking kind of at length about what it was like what it was like living in hospital um, and getting them to understand about that and then getting them to actually think about how you can spot the signs of people struggling and then when you do see someone struggling how can you then support them and I think actually I what I do believe is that we all have this duty of responsibility to one another and we there are so many people who struggle day to day and it's about actually being able to just start to have those conversations and getting young people to actually realize that just by asking someone how they are and asking them maybe a couple of times if they don't think they're okay to actually try and get more open dialogue going. Mm. Um, I think with younger age groups, whilst I don't share as much about my personal story just because I don't think it's always appropriate at that age, what I do do with them is to get them again to understand what mental health is, get them to understand that actually mental health is just as important as our physical health and we need to view it in that way. And then with the older years as well, so both um, lots of year groups, I also get them all to think about actually how you manage yourself when you have a bad day and what you do to process that and who you've got to talk to. And like I touched on earlier, um, is exercise is a massive part of my recovery. And when I do talks, I get people to think about actually how much physical activity are they doing as a way to help them with their own mental health too. And I think if if you go away and follow Hope on on Instagram especially, you'll you'll see that shining through because you are very vocal on if if you've had a bad day or if you're addressing that concept of of having a bad day, how to then tackle it, and uh, you know that on your stories alone, it's it's good it's good viewing and it definitely it definitely makes me stop and I'm a lot more present and I'm reading that and it's you know it's it's such a good tool. So I recommend if you are listening to this show and, and you know, you want to go away and, and do something, that would be maybe the first thing to do because it's probably the easiest to do. Um, because you, uh, you know, I, I thought I used, um, you know, social media quite a lot. You're an absolute champion on that. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed. The, the Yeah, the talking Instagram stories takes a little while, doesn't it? Because I always find that I end up just filming my chin most of the time. I need to lift lift it a little bit higher, but you you definitely got that down. You you know very 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 confident, very clear. Just quickly, what I was also thinking is, and I know that girls also find it difficult to talk about how they're feeling, but actually I think with guys particularly, like men find it much harder. And I know that sounds really stereotypical and a real generalisation. But actually, I wonder whether as well, if there's something in actually trying to do exercise and physical activity as a way to get more men talking about things. Um, so like going for a run with a mate or playing squash or whatever it might be, and then using that as a chance to actually open up more of that conversation, if that makes sense. Completely. And and I find that I'm, I'm the closest with the people that I've played sport with in terms of, you know, males and having that kind of conversation. 
So yeah. I was away at the weekend and, and I was I was at a wedding abroad with some really close friends and we all played rugby together back at Birmingham where we met and I find we can have those conversations on that level just because we have shared, you know, the intensity of team sports, the highs and lows, being comfortable with each other in all kinds of environments. So I, I totally agree with that. I think that's a really good point. Cool, okay. So the the other interesting thing that you've been doing, so obviously all the work around schools is this campaign around um, what what you've been doing with trying to are you trying to change the legislation with with some of the with some of the kind of government ruling on on a particular um, isn't isn't it a particular level of BMI? Would you like to yeah, give everyone so, a little um, bit more? I was just trying to term it right so people could understand it. Right. Um, so basically, when you have an eating disorder, um, a lot of it is judged on your weight, and this is understandable in some cases. But because it's done on BMI and a person's BMI often doesn't relate to actually how they're feeling mentally, it means that quite often people with anorexia but also bulimia and binging disorder go to services and try and access support and then can't access treatment because they're not underweight enough. And your kind of healthy weight is supposed to be a BMI of 18.5 and above. But the fact is, is actually you can have an eating disorder and be any size in any shape. And when I relapsed, I wasn't underweight, so I couldn't access any services, despite the fact that I was restricting again, I was exercising too much, and mentally I was in a really bad place with it. And when I came to my relapse, and I ended up going on antidepressants for a little bit to try and help me to kind of get through that, which was not probably the best solution in itself, because I wanted to have therapy and actually have proper support. But when I came through that, I realized that actually this isn't something that just happened to me but it happens every single day across the whole country in the NHS. And it's just not right that eating disorders are mental illnesses, but they're just judged on someone's physical appearance. So I'm working at the moment to try and change this. It's not necessarily a piece of legislation, although I'm trying to find a kind of legislative angle that I can take around this. Mm. Um, But it's more I'm trying to implement the guidelines for diagnosis across the whole country and to make sure there's good communication, to make sure there's a whole awareness and understanding of this. Because if we keep turning away people with eating disorders from services, the fact is, is anorexia is a really competitive illness. And so you immediately kind of pick up that whole competitive nature and your illness gets much worse, but also people often feel really suicidal when they're turned away from services. And again, it's that whole thing about, we need to be preventing people, kind of their mental health, problems escalating out of control before hitting that crisis point and if we focus more on prevention then actually we have a much bigger chance of that long-term recovery Mm-hmm. Now that makes complete sense and, and I'm, I'm glad you, you've managed to kind of elaborate on my point because it's something I was reading into and, and I'll link to the petition site in the show notes, lovely people. But yeah, the way you described it makes makes much more sense and it is important because, you know, BMI is a marker in itself. It doesn't take into account muscle mass, lean mass, yeah. fat mass. So again, for... for for the active ad- average person, it isn't particularly isn't particularly accurate. And then, like you said there, you don't have to be a certain size to to kind of um, you know have 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 these kind of eating disorders either. So I think it's I think it's very important that you bring this up and you move forward with this. So yeah, no, that's that's really really good. So I think 
it's interesting because obviously you're talking about prevention, long-term solutions, and then you found that exercise and things helps. And it's something where, you know, I've got into long distance running. I only do it a few times a year, but then I do find that regardless of trying to run quickly, it, it you know, it is something that, that's, I don't know if the word's meditative, but yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting state, you know, like you said, outside, fresh, clean blood around the body, moving the body, obviously when you're out and you're, and you're running and, and it does get quite tough, you then have to focus on that instead of obviously other things. Yeah. How, how do you find it all? So good actually, so I used to be obsessed with long distance running, um, so when I was really unwell I used to have to do it all the time and exercise kind of constantly, um, but since I, when I was in hospital, so I wasn't allowed to exercise for 10 months, and then for my last final two months in hospital I was allowed to go for these really short 20 minute runs every few days and it helped me to I guess understand the benefit of exercise and kind of giving me that headspace and actually now when I run I use it in that really positive way to actually help me understand more about fueling my body and realizing that if I fuel my body in the right way then I'll be able to run much faster and actually just at the weekend um, I ran for me which was fast I don't know if it is actually that fast but for me I ran eight miles in an hour and one of the reasons I think I did this is by training a lot is I had a bowl of rice for dinner on Friday nights, as well as other things, obviously. But making sure that I'm kind of eating the right stuff and carving and carb loading and all of that sort of stuff. Which, when I first went into hospital, I wasn't able to even kind of comprehending any of that stuff. Mm. And I think as well, for me, it's given me that kind of social aspect, which we talked about a little bit in relation to men. But actually, I have friends that I go running with and making sure that actually I'm keeping that kind of fun element of it going as well mm. I do have a tendency to over exercise and it is something that I have to manage particularly when work's really stressful or I have stuff going on in my personal life and I have to make sure that when I do start to feel like I am over exercising that I kind of pull it back in quite quickly so it doesn't get out of control but I think the positive side of it definitely is worth the risk of over exercising if that makes sense too no I agree and I think the social running scene has definitely exploded and especially in cities and things like that these run clubs these kind of you know free social meetups where you go for a bit of a bimble and then a drink afterwards or you just all hang out somewhere or a company might have sponsored the events people get to try things I've been involved in that with with a brand for a few years and and it's it's such a good thing to do and my and my Tuesday nights have been consumed with that for almost three years and and it's yeah I think it's very beneficial and you can find, you know, like you said, you can find different groups of people and different different routes and, and, and run. And it doesn't necessarily have to be super quick. It doesn't have to be super long. But then when you do start to get better, you can talk when you're running. Like you said there, you yeah. can you can you can run, you know, you can run at a decent pace, decent distance for an hour. That's really good. Really good. Yeah. And I was, yeah, I think as well, like you just feel so good after you feet most of the time. And it's like that kind of those endorphins that obviously you get from any exercise but actually for me the ones that I get from running is so much more than what I get from riding my bike or going to the gym Mm. and I think part of that is because you're outside and you're pushing yourself and you're having that space to actually process things and think about what's going on yeah I believe I, I, I definitely believe that too and I think at this time of year the the sunlight and the eyeballs to help regulate you know mood and sleep in most people is such a powerful thing so it's yeah. it's it, it's it's definitely like you said it's it's there it's important some people undervalue it some people overvalue it but i think it's eventually just finding that sweet spot for yourself 
and and using it as a tool now i think that's absolutely fantastic so um yeah i think obviously the listeners can go away and 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 they can look at what you're doing and they can see things online but is there anything you'd like to let people listening to the show know about that you're involved in that they can either attend or they can look for like what's coming up in in your schedule or, or in your in your work over the next few months um so big focus over the next couple of weeks is the campaign so i took the campaign to number 10 a couple of weeks ago and got a really frustrating stop response um, back not really taking into account how serious this whole issue is and so tomorrow um we're sending out a joint uh, letter from over 50 MPs back to number 10, asking them to actually commit to proper timeframes um, and to show where they're going to make this change happen. So I guess making a lot of noise about things like that, and if anyone who's listening has got any kind of stories or personal experience of their treatment within services, whether it's eating disorders or more broadly with mental health, like do get in touch and I can talk to you directly how you might want to get a bit more involved in the campaign as well. Um, but apart from that, it's mainly just talks, lots and lots of talks at the moment. Um, so, like I said, in schools a lot of the time. Um, and then over the summer, I'm planning um, kind of the next phase of my campaign, which when I've kind of finalised everything, I can, of course, share with everyone so they can see how they can get more involved in that. Um, and then also um, writing a second edition to my book, too. Wow. Um, so that is due in in two weeks. So that'll be out next October. Wow. So you're not very busy then, basically? (laughs) I think I have to be busy, otherwise I just get bored. Yeah, now that makes sense. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. So I'll 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 link to the book that's out now, and obviously I think it's, like you said, TBC, but follow follow yourself on online. How how do people keep in touch with you? Um, So I'm on Instagram um, as Hope Virgo 1, and also on Twitter just as Hope Virgo. those are probably the two best ways um and if people have got specific questions on eating disorders or mental health like like i said do get in touch and stuff and i'll try and get back to people who do um but i guess yeah i guess my main thing is if you have heard anything today that bothered you or that you're struggling with like do try and reach out for support and try and reach out to actually talk to someone about how you're actually feeling and be honest with people around you Mm, mm. I think I think that's a perfect place to end the show and yeah especially when I can grab a little bit more of your time after like you said your campaign strategy for for the summer and moving on is up and running and 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 the new book is on its way it'd be good to get you back on yeah no, definitely cool yeah let's not yes you know, let's not leave it another eight years no <laughs> <laughs> no but that's no, that's great and look thanks so much for your time I, I know I know you're super busy and lovely people thank you so much for listening I'm up close to 12,000 listens, so for a little bit of a show that's a hobby, um, thank you, basically. It's it's really good to connect with people, you know, especially people that I've used to work with or known in the past that I've managed to get on the show or people that are starting businesses or they're involved in, in health and fitness. So, um, yeah, it's great. Keep listening and we'll speak to you soon.